Mini episode 1235 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at Sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. The, the, the only thing I wonder about is everybody keeps saying, and I, I agree, I, I really think Sammy Guevara is a future star. I really think that he can be very, very big as things go along. I worry about, the way that I look at it is, he's taking on a bit much, I think, of the Buddy Roberts role in the in the, the inner circle, because Buddy was always the stooge that would be the guy to take the, the pinfall and whatever, you know, that they, you know, Michael Hayes would be the lightning rod who more times than not would get the comeuppance, or not get the comeuppance with the Freebirds. Terry Gordy was protected because he was the heater. Buddy Roberts was always the one that was taking this. And that's fine. He was toward the end of his career. Sammy Guevara's got a big career ahead of him. Having said that, it can't be Hager because he's needed to be at least a semi-main eventer when he does wrestle. It can't be Jericho. It doesn't mean as much if it's Santana or Ortiz, because they haven't really presented them as separate and distinct characters yet. So, I mean, it's, it's Guevara by process of elimination, but do you have the same fear I, I do that he keeps getting put in this spot? Yeah, I, I, I didn't really think about the comparison to Money Jack Roberts brought it up, but yeah, he's definitely the, uh, the little worker that's out there that's doing stuff. I mean, maybe the next I honestly, you know, don't know where they where, where they can go with this. Um, I kind of like him in his little position right now. Jericho's little buddy. I don't know. I think it's like a, a good role. He's gonna a great future for him. But yeah, I do agree. At some point, he has to get that big win that shows you know, that he can do it and that he can really, you know, hang with everybody because he is, you know, he is currently the ball guy that takes all the balls and every one of these every one of these multi man matches like this. So because they're gonna protect Jericho, so that's what Jamie is there for. Unfortunately. concern about Sammy Guevara and partially because I think you, you, you could basically present this as, you know, now that you're a year past the first AEW pay-per-view, make it a point of moving on. Like, I, I'm not saying never do anything with elements of uh, Inner Circle and the Elite again, but I would move away from that. Uh, as a feud from here on in and have them doing their own things 
And that way, if they're doing their own things, Guevara could be in some programs where he can pick up wins. Would you kind of treat this as the blow-off of that feud if you were them? Because I think I would. Yeah, I think that was kind of the thing. stars and you're trying to bring guys up at the same point in time also too it does make it difficult and it's a thing where yeah they're, they're gonna they've done a good job I think as much as they can of striking that balance from here on in but I, I think particularly with MJF ascending to the main event level you know sooner rather than later they're going to be accelerating the whole star making process here with the guys that they have I would just say too if you remember, because one, and I, I can never remember which Jackson is which, which Young Buck is which, but the, 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 the injury to one of the two little guys is what brought Matt Hardy in in the first place, because remember, Cody was part of this initially. He was going to be central to blood and guts. He ended up moving out of the stadium stampede match because of being in the TNT title match, but it made sense with Cody in the mix, Jake, because you had the continuity of he lost the title to Jericho based on getting screwed over by MJF, so it was a way for Cody to get some heat back from the inner circle. So it was it made a little bit more sense, I think, then as opposed to now, but it was a thing where it was sort of in the background a little bit in that whole period of time, some of these other things. The one thing I will say is Cody learned this uh, from his old man, and it's one of the better pieces of booking that he learned from him. I loved in the 80s how the NWA had sort of layered-type booking. And it wasn't just Dusty, but Dusty a lot. He'd have this going maybe with Tully Blanchard. Him and Ronnie Garvin as the Risky Business Boys, maybe they'd be going after the Midnight Express or him and Magnum or whatever. Like, you, you were capable of having different feuds at different times, and that's what this promotion has done. They borrowed from Dusty in that way as far as you don't just have two guys locked in a feud or two teams locked in a feud. You have different issues going at different times. Sometimes it'll be even overlap, which is when it gets really, really good. Oh, yeah. I, I, that's just something I love. When, when, when it's one constant story that flows into the next and into the next. Um, do you remember, like, early 2003, when Jericho had four feuds going on at the same time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was feuding with Shawn Michaels. He was feuding with Jeff Hardy. He was feuding with Tess and one other person. Like, all the exact same moment. Yeah.
sometimes between JR and Tony is because, you know, and they know that they are synonymous with, uh, the, you know, soundtrack of wrestling fans in the 80s, 90s, uh, in JR's case, even the 2000s uh, on there, but, but more so referencing the 80s and 90s where they'll almost be tongue-in-cheek about stuff and almost like self, yeah. self-referential about how they might have called something at some point. Like, neither one of them was ever nearly as tongue-in-cheek, and, and, and they don't do it that much, but it's here and there in the matches, and they're not afraid to be a little bit absurdist, and I kind of like that, because I feel like today's product kind of needs that a little bit, where it might have been out of place in the 80s and 90s. What do you think about that? No, no I absolutely agree with you, and there were certain points with certain like, little references, of, like, like you were saying, they reminded me of the modern day, they reminded me of the wrestling version of, uh, uh, what is it, Morris and Robin, I think, is the, the two guys made for the Muppets that sit in the balcony. Right. That's kind of who they remind me of a little bit. Just, if somebody would have said to you, like, 15 years ago, when everybody hated on Shivani, was making fun of him, like, man, Tony's wrong, Tony's body's awesome. Like, that's pretty cool. Like, you know, it's just pretty cool to see him do his, to get a comeback like this, and realize that when, once you're gone for so long, people actually miss you. And beginning to know through a podcast and stuff, the actual Tony Schiavone, right. not like, you know, what the perceived idea of Tony Schiavone was. Right. Just find out, no, Tony, Tony Schiavone is like the cuss, he's kind of an a-hole. And that's, you know, yeah. that's quite all right. I got zero problems with that. Um, you know, interesting factoid, and I don't think I mentioned this last night, I was actually doing some research on this uh, afterwards. So, did you see the commercial for the AEW uh, toy line? I did see that, yes. Like, super inside reference, but for anybody that hasn't heard about this, Google it, kids. Maybe have a thing since Arn Anderson's in the same promotion, where Arn Anderson is handling, uh, handing him a jar that is labeled Moose Shampoo. That would be pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know the reference. <laughs> Yeah, 
22 pack with Britt Baker, that thing would sell for like 80 bucks. They'd be like, I need to have this. I don't know what I'm going to have to. Well, it's like, yeah, it's just one of those random things. It's like JR's had figures. Um, I mean, uh, Excalibur may have. I don't even know what you know. He never had an action figure unless he was in one of those, like, uh, those, like, bootleg ones. <laughs> but, uh, on, uh, the, the rising stars or whatever, but I'm pretty sure he never had one. But yeah, I just kind of thought that was just a little random fun fact that after all these, after 30 plus years or 40 years in wrestling, Tony Schiavone never wants that avoid. Well, you know, uh, dare I say there are probably certain corners of the IWC uh, that perhaps might line up to pay for a uh, life size Britt Baker one if you're picking up what I'm putting down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll it'll yell "Bay Bay" at the appropriate moment. That would be amazing. <laughs> you know what? If if he didn't work for the office of promotion, it could be his voice that did it. See, I'm a marketing genius. <laughs> See, this is this is the kind. I mean, this is maybe about one percent of it as far as what uh, Jr. and Tony are doing. But the kind of absurdity we just did here now—it's nice to even if it's only one percent of what we just did. It's nice to hear that trickle into what they're doing to be self-aware in a way that they were never allowed to be before. Because again, it it is pro wrestling. It is an absurdist kind of a thing. It is, you know, it, I mean. I know Jim Cornette, you know, craps on any of the ironic humor or anything like that, but uh, I, I enjoy it. It's a, You can't take yourself, you know, seriously all the time, and the loose kind of relaxed vibe in a way that you'll never hear out of the WWE announcers, I enjoy it. Oh, me too. It's cause it's, you can tell they're just, you know, two guys, two friends that have known each other for a long time, and it comes across as natural. Right. The WWE is absolutely horrible. It comes across as, like, free... It's so polished that it's not like there's no room for error, and it's just nothing they say is believable, and they just do things on there where you're like, why does this happen? Like even even the basic things, like like even somehow Jericho cutting a promo on a drone came off more realistic than Drew McIntyre cutting a promo about winning the world title. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's just like it's like it just feels like you know they're being forced to things to said, and it's like you know they're doing the they're still doing things. Based on the crowd reaction, the crowd reaction to WWE that's not there, and you can't tell me they didn't see AEW. I haven't watched it, but wow, that's actually much better. That's some sort of response. But at the same time, this is trying to show won't let him be like, oh no, no, uh, no, 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 we're not doing that. They already did it. Well, like, uh, okay. <laughs> well, not only that, there's a thing where it's cool too, because with with podcasts and even before that with the dirt sheets. I mean, it's known that especially. I would say early 90s WCW, that there, there was a real tug-of-war there, and it, it might have started as far back as, as 88, uh, when, when JR got to have sort of a prominent role on World Championship Wrestling on Saturday nights. For four years, five years on and off, there was somewhat of a tug-of-war between JR and Tony, and there was some bad blood, and they can joke with each other now. It's a thing of, like, both of them, you know, will acknowledge at various points in time, there was heat between them. 
but it's behind them and they can joke about it now and there's something about that that's just such a cool thing of where they don't have to pretend that they were always the best of friends but at this point you can see that there's a genuine warmth there yeah yeah absolutely and it's, I, mean, I don't listen to Shivani's podcast as much as I did before mm-hmm. but because he brought, they brought up stuff that I mentioned him in the past like uh, you know that he regrets not waking up with Keenan with Bobby the Marine with yeah. everything when Keenan went down because you know and again Tony Schiavone in the shock walked away from wrestling and didn't look back for like 15 years right <laughs> saying that that first show they needed to have they need even if they just hired him for one night sting and luger backstage and be like you know what took so long for the next episode on tnt i thought it was going to be the next week it's all these years later they should have done something to play off of that it would have been funny but no it was cool that, that would have been really really comical that would have been amazing if they would have had to act like they were like rip van winkle types but uh it was no, you're right about that, and Tony being there, and it just, you know, he's he's very self-aware about it, and, and, and look, and he, I, I respect like hell that he admits that he was just, not necessarily phoning it in, but he was so burned out towards the end, he wasn't doing his best work in WCW, and, and all of the things that we all hammered him for as fans, he was aware of, and he admits, and he's yeah. like, yeah, my announcing wasn't great then, and you know, I, I let all the stuff get to me and whatever, but... Tony Schiavone's not going to sit there and get in your face and tell you how great he was all along. I respect the hell out of that. Yeah, Tony Schiavone doesn't even think he was good. That's <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he's still not like that. But uh, he did say his, only one, his biggest regret was not, not staying with Vince, and I can see that. You know, well, being a regret, especially at that time with what they had, you know, planned for him. I will but, say uh, this, though. I'll tell you that as much as I crap on all things TNA, his one time back in the biz, I think in 03, his cameo on TNA when he went on there and lit into Mike Tanay was entertaining as hell. Yes, that was. That was so great. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, he'll make certain references. Like, I don't know if you caught one of them. Like, he put his tongue on, uh, I think it was an episode of Dynamite. He made his chair higher than the other two. <laughs> and that was always the thing. On, uh, that was always the thing that he, on Nitro, they put his chair up higher so that he was taller than everybody else <laughs> that he was accused of doing. Which, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, I can, I can see that. But Shivani is like, you know, it, it's cool that he's come full circle and is back and is at a point now where, you know, people can, can recognize him and, you know, he doesn't have to be. No one's criticizing him as, you know, they were 15, 20 years ago. Because, and again, that was having the people in, in the year one. If somebody would have sold to you since you, I don't know, two years ago, right, that you'd be watching a pay-per-view and there would be a title match featuring Mike Tyson as a guest enforcer between Cody Rhodes and Lance Hoyt and Jim Ross and Tony Giovanni would be a commentary. They're like, huh? But it's like, you know, 
I mean, the best parts of wrestling involve, I mean, as overly simplistic as it is, past, present, and future. And that's what AEW has. And the, the announcing, a good part of it is from the past. Uh, I like Excalibur. I think he sort of more represents the future part of it. So I think it's a good hybrid I, there. And, I'm with JR. I'm with JR. I'm sorry. I'm with Torch. He can take stupid mask off. No one knows who he is. Yeah, or, I mean. Explain why he's wearing this mask or anything. sense early on, and it hasn't turned out to be this way, that, that JR basically is sort of the lead of the three, and I got the sense early on it was going to be Excalibur. He's he's much better in the role that he's in, which is more or less color commentary. JR is sort of a hybrid of the two. Tony seems to be more color commentary, uh, but Excalibur is definitely better on that than, than he would be if he was just having to be the straight man calling the holds and everything like that. Because of you know, what he's able to add to it. But I was thinking about this the other night, and this is a thing where, again, you know, obviously, you know, well, if this promotion hires, you know, David Benoit, then that would be a really weird kind of a thing. But a lot of these strands of the old WCW, and it's interesting, I, when, especially when I saw Vicky Guerrero on camera, you're like, Vicky was never with Eddie in WCW, although, in retrospect, how cool would that have been, picturing her with Eddie, like, in 98, like, how awesome that would have been, but... Yeah. Let me let me tell you something. I mean, and it might make us all too wistful, but somebody needs to make mashup videos of like those two as an act. That would be just incredible. Of like splice her into like his moments and stuff, and you know that would be. I'm sure just... it's probably. I'm sure it's probably out there somewhere. Right, but it's. I'm looking at her as, like, the representation of Eddie, even though she was exclusively WWE, but, like, Jericho is there. Malenko is a backstage agent. Arn Anderson is there. You know, Cody and Dustin with the Rhodes family. Like, it goes beyond this thing being on TNT. There is a lot of, like, late 90s WCW flavor to this thing, and it's one of the things I like about it. And even Leo Tully working backstage is an agent on that one. Yeah. Um, there's, yeah, even Tully, uh, Sidestep not having the king there. <laughs> uh, they talked about him. Did they? they okay.
mention that. No, you're not here. But uh, then we had Austin Idol in there for that. Um, there was uh, Randy, uh, Randy Poffo. Uh, Randy Poffo. No. Randy Poffo was there <laughs> for Randy Poffo. Okay. <laughs> that would have been big news. <laughs> TNT put it out with the flames and stuff. It was meant to be suggestive of that legacy, you know, of the wrestling on yeah. TNT. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I dig that as well because I miss that. I miss the days when you had, you know, the, the, the big two promotions there. Even beyond that, into the 80s when you had multiple promotions, but just anything else out there. And yeah, I, I'm, I feel the same spiritual connection between those two promotions even 20 years apart. I feel it as well. Yeah. Occasionally, like it's dawn, like I don't actively sneak it out a lot. 
but there's something I want to see. I watch the game like Raw. Oh God, I, 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 I will turn on Raw and I will immediately turn off Raw because it's just so bad. And it's like, just like little things, you know, you can do tweak it. And AW doesn't have the shareholders to answer to the Vince McMahon does. Yeah. And these shareholders are going to be like, uh, what are you going to do about this? You know, they have all these excuses they want to come up with, but in the reality of it is, I mean, he doesn't know what to do. Well, he can't create stars. He can't. Somebody like MJF wouldn't have gotten over the way that he has uh, if he was in WWE. They can't create stars. Their star-making machine is broken. Once in a while, through dumb luck, a Becky Lynch will get through, but that's you know because she manages to somehow be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So someone like a Becky Lynch will get through, and there you go. Rollins injures another one and puts him on the shelf. <laughs> Yeah, well, nobody ever said Seth Rollins was a safe worker, huh? But, uh, you know. Yeah, no, that's a whole other rant. And my girlfriend and I kind of got into an argument, not an argument, but a discussion about that. Why I agree with Cornette that I think Becky Lynch was incredibly selfish in choosing this time to get pregnant. And maybe this is the old school promoter, but the old school fan. Why did she just lose to Shayna Baszler? Well, she didn't, know, she didn't know she was pregnant then. Who cares? Well, she choked out 30 seconds. You don't have to, like, go. You don't have to, like, you know, do an actual match. Or you could have lost well, at WrestleMania. You know, that's just, and I know they didn't know she was pregnant and all that stuff at WrestleMania and blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I think this is just me. This is old school. I mean, I hate year-long title reigns that nothing happens and no one gets put over. Right. And this wasn't even, this one wasn't even from an injury. This one was just from, oh, all right, well, I guess we just covered up tonight, so, bam. And, like, well, if I'm Vince McMahon, I'm livid about that. Well, look, I thought she, she should have put over, you know, they should have had her put over Shayna, and they should have had Charlotte put over Rhea Ripley, because it was a chance to make two big stars there, and uh, again, at a time when they have a real dearth of stars, uh, and the ones they have, like Keith Lee, they don't know what the hell to do with, so I agree with you on all of this, and AEW is at least doing a good job of, of creating stars, and you know, they're, they're much better uh, positioned as far as getting through this pandemic and, and pushing through you know, into the next era of uh, wrestling, whatever comes out of this thing here. WWE, like you said, is, is going to be struggling like hell because of their own uh, bad creative issues. And, uh, you know, and, and, and here's the thing, Jake. One of the most frustrating things about the WWE product, and yes, you and I are homers in the sense of what I'm about to say, but it doesn't mean we're not right. The most frustrating thing is, if you're Vince McMahon, it's not like you can't take whatever you deem your most important show to be. It's not like you can't look around in your office, look down quite a bit, because the guy's kind of short, but go find a guy that you could just turn the whole thing over to, lock, stock, and barrel, and it'll be the best show on television if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Does he still work there? <laughs> I, <laughs> I talked to him in a while. I don't even know if everyone got let go. Me but neither. I mean, I talk, we, talked, we talked about when I was, uh, when I was originally going to go to, we were originally going to go down to Florida. Uh -huh. And I texted him about possibly meeting him for Mania. Okay. I asked him about tickets, he told me he couldn't get them. Because, you know, it's Mania, you got to put it in the thing. And I'm like, no, I, I understand, I can get that. And I was like, okay, well, I'm down there, I'd love to meet up. And he's like, yes, for sure, sounds good. And that was like the last conversation we had. Okay. So I don't know, I don't even know if he, uh, just text him on the air. But like, no, no, I'm going to podcast on Rick. Are you, uh, you still work for I was going to reach out myself and, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, God, that'd be great. We could just text him and be like, hey. We're 
basically saying about how Vince is too dumb not to just take the smartest person he has and not put him in complete control. <laughs> yeah, you know? Just, I mean, oh, dear. Well. Uh, yeah, but even if you hear him talk about it, you'd be like, there's nothing I can do even. I know. I know, I know. But well, that but that's that's the whole. I mean, what I'm talking about is the utopia of uh, the little guy without any handcuffs on him. That I realize that doesn't right. exist. But I mean, if if you just put him in charge, got everybody the hell out of the way, you know. But again, you know, we live in the world that we live in, and in this world, thank God, there's an AEW that comes at least a little bit closer to giving us what we want. And the, the fun. I'm sorry, I was about to say, you know, the funny thing is the original alternative was like 2014 NXT, and who was the premium? That's right, that's right. Which, by the way, too, the exception to the rule of, that wasn't exactly, I guess that wasn't an exception to the rule, not exactly studio wrestling, but I've always thought, Jake, that, because again, I'm a big fan a lot of times of things that are neither fish nor fowl, particularly in a business like wrestling where you got to be creative. We never got to see it in 01 that uh, it was talked about by Eric Bischoff. Had they revived, had they come back under the uh, Mandalay Sports or whatever the hell it was uh, thing here, they were going to build a uh, 2,000- or 3,000-seat arena atop the Hard Rock Hotel uh, by like where the parking garage is, I guess, and do shows out of there every week. And that, so something like that, that would be a hybrid between studio wrestling and an arena because it would, you, you would have... Uh, it, it would be very, 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 you know, compact. You would have the feel of, you know, maybe a little bit bigger than a studio, but not too much bigger than a studio, but not like a ginormous arena. And you do sort of have that with Full Sail. I like that. I like that hybrid. Yeah. I remember, t- I remember telling, uh, uh, well, I, just gave him, I remember telling Ryan that years ago when he was working, like, that, uh, when I first started watching NXT, which is because I just got it. And I was like, man, this reminds me a lot of, like, old school studio wrestling with, like, a modern feel to it. You know, TNA had kind of that feeling, too, for, like, from, like, 03 to, like, 09 or whatever, until they just, you know, made poor choices, as they all do. Right. <laughs> you know? um, but, uh, yeah, it had an awesome studio feel and studio vibe. Even ECW, to an extent, had that studio feel with ECW being up that big.
one thing that I will say to bring it all full circle, I will actually put over a WWE performer because one of my favorites. But what you just said right there proves how good. I think Asuka is like top five in the world as far as like knowing the things you're supposed to do in front of the camera. The moment with Becky Lynch where I do think, you know, I mean, Asuka obviously knew she was getting the title when she went out there. I think it's crystal clear she didn't know why, which is what helped make the moment even better. I think it was real surprise, a real joy on her face, and it really made the moment. But as Becky's getting ready to leave the ring, Asuka, knowing that the moment needed a crowd, and there wasn't a crowd, starts chanting, Becky, Becky, Becky. Like, she was trying to fill the void. Yeah. And it made the segment better. Like, Oscar's a genius because of stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, she was, well, she was, she needed to realize, you know, this is what was going on. But, um, yeah, it was just, uh, it, 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 it's a huge, huge boy. Like, that moment, like, oh, she's like, I'm going to be a mother. Like, All right. Yeah. <laughs> That's. Well, I will say, though, like, I think that's one of the best segments they've done in a long time. I've watched and rewatched it, and listen, the thing I love about wrestling, it doesn't happen very often. I mean, I, you, you go back to, like, I mean, the things that don't give me this feeling anymore, like Benoit at the end of WrestleMania 20. Uh, I, I, I could not watch that again, much less get choked up the way I would every time, but the real things about wrestling that will make you get choked up. And, and, and that moment did it for me of Becky and Asuka and the rail. Like, that was real. Like, in pro wrestling, the things in wrestling that are real are precious because they're so few and far between. And that was a moment of real drama and real emotion, and it hit me the way that it hit so many people out there. Like I said, Asuka just enhanced it because it was like, she is a genius because she's going in her head, this moment needs a crowd. There is no crowd. Let me do what I can to make it better. And she made it better. Yeah, I, I agree 100% with you. Yeah. I mean, there, there, is, there is only one Asuka, and that's where, again, at least in terms of that, uh, you know, big shoes to fill on Raw, but if you got Asuka, she could fill any shoes. They're, they're going to be they're gonna be just fine with her in the lead role. Like you said, would have been better if Becky put over somebody on the way out uh, other than... Uh, well, I could make a crack about Seth's appendage, but uh, I guess I'll skip that for now. <laughs> but uh, anyways, I, uh, you know. Isn't, isn't it something to be said that the two wrestlers that did the, uh, that did the wrestling porn parodies are the ones that are making baby? Yeah, how about that? <laughs> <laughs> how about that, man? That, like, uh... <laughs> she's like, Becky Lynch is like, yeah, I've seen, I've seen uh, the Monday Night Messiah's appendage. Well, we all have, buddy. We all have. <laughs> Shayna Baszler doing the thing about that kid's gonna suck. Have you seen who the father is? Like that was amazing. Shayna's awesome. Oh no, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah look at the father. The kid's gonna suck. <laughs> <laughs> um, were you were you at the were you at the WrestleMania party where I passed around the picture to everybody in the room of uh, Seth Rollins' unit? Uh, no, I would remember. I would remember that, Jake Digman. I'd remember I that. Think so, so we were at. Uh, Like, oh, I'm like, don't say anything. Don't say a word. Just look right at it. And they're all like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I go, there you go. Now we can 
on everybody in this room can say we've seen Seth Rollins' manhood firsthand. You know, there's there, a weird person like that. There should be some kind of warning label out there that, you know, if you make the life choice to start stooping a Nazi, that she might end up putting your picture online at some point, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know? It's like, uh, maybe I better think. That's one of those things, man. If I'm a celebrity, or quite frankly, if I'm just me, I'm never sending anything like that. How do you swear to anybody? I don't Nobody wants to do that. <laughs> well, big upgrade for him in many ways, but not least of which, Becky cares too much about her own brand to post his dick pics online, plus she's not a Nazi. So, Becky has a lot going for her, but just by dint of not being the last one, he has upgraded a lot. Yes, yes. So, look at that snappy couple. I hope the kids, uh, I can't wait to watch the kid get, get, get her butt kicked by, uh, Aurora Rose. <laughs> you know, that's gonna happen, and, uh, it'll, it'll be, uh, It'll be funny to start seeing, uh, you know, any kind of uh, vignettes on, uh, you know, Housefrau Becky doing the whole barista thing at uh, Seth's Coffee House in, in Iowa. I know that's coming at some point. Oh, yeah, I forgot that he does own a coffee house in Bentonville, Iowa. He does, he does. One more thing to make him a hipster, right? The guy's got to have his own hipster coffee house. Is it, is it, like, is it called, like, Colby's Coffee or something? <laughs> it should be. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Lopez lattes. Lopez lattes. Yeah, you know where. Uh, you know it, it. It could be something like you know where 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 the kayfabe breaks softer than the scones. Yeah, I could see that. Oh, who are we kidding? It's a cookie cutter. It's a freaking Starbucks. It it probably is. Well, you know what? Hey, what? Let's let's end it on this note, Jake. What would be the ultimate thing here? is if he ended up taking a page out of Season 10, Curb Your Enthusiasm, because nothing could be more on-brand for Seth Rollins than starting a spite store to try to put another coffee house out of business. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's the thing we've never heard about his place. It's probably actually a secret spite store, so there's that. But uh, it's, a, it's a long way afield from an AEW pay-per-view to a Seth Rollins spite store, but we managed to make the journey here. Uh, Jake, it is uh, always a pleasure, my friend, in, in what we ended up getting as a three-part segment by the time we we're all done with this. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. That's kind of what we do, right? It is. It is, especially in quarantine. I, I haven't... I don't think I've recorded a segment yet in quarantine <laughs> that hasn't gone two to three times longer than I anticipated. So, hey, great material. It's all because you, you guys are never more available than you are now. And you, you, you alluded to this at the outset about never being on more than you have been recently. Uh, I hope we keep this going even after quarantine. I always appreciate it. Love you being here. And thank you, everybody, for checking out these mini-episodes of the FDH Lounge.